ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. We have a very special guest for you today. We are talking to the author of No Ordinary Liz, an extraordinary story of life and family. Our guest this afternoon is Elizabeth Sutherland. Liz, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking, Chicky. How are um, you doing? I am doing great. It's a it's a hot, muggy, sunny day here in Tampa, Florida, which is kind of par for the course for August. Yes. Beautiful weather, though. I went and trained it. Liz, I know that your story centers on a topic that, that many of our listeners may not be familiar with, and it is the story about foster care. Can you tell me how your foster care story is different from others? We all have a story, and, you know, each story is certainly different. I believe my story is unique um, because as hard as it may have been, I decided to tell it, right? Uh, it, it isn't easy to put your whole self out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, but the thought of making a difference in someone else's life uh, was what drove me to do that. Um, I wanted to share that, it, you know, I could have easily given up, but I didn't. And at the end of the day, you fight for your life and the life that you deserve. Right, right. So what, what made you decide to actually write a book about this? Because quite often, you know, people go through things and, and they find a platform for sharing about that, whether that be with friends or family or in a church or uh, whatever that might be. Uh, for instance, my son, uh, we adopted him when he was three from Russia. And he now mm -hmm. has a, a very important story to tell and has been telling that, uh, again, in his church, his youth group, at school, in chapel, you know, in various, various uh, audiences that he gets, whether he goes to camp and someone asks him to, to share his story. Um, but what made you actually decide to write a book and how did you get linked up with, with Now SC Publishing? So we all... Like, as I said, we all have a story and I'm just very proud of my story um, and how, you know, I came up about, came through it all. And I wanted to share my story with the world because I wanted to help open their eyes to the world of foster care. And I'm sure that the majority of people have never been exposed to that type of environment. And so I wanted to introduce it and allow them to feel what I felt and to see what I saw and to gain a better understanding of what is entailed in the system. The book, you know, I just wanted it to be kind of like sharing my story, but then also kind of an educational piece to it as well. Because when you're reading my story and you're going through chapters and you're like, what does aged out mean? So, um, and a lot, that's a term that you don't hear a lot of. Right. So I thought, why not put some vocabulary in there? So it kind of helps educate um, people along the process so that if and when they come across someone who's been through the foster care system, they will be able to understand more about them. Right, right. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I had never heard the term aged out until the day before we adopted my son in Russia. 
they don't have foster care, by the way, uh, in Russia. Everything oh, really? is, yeah, everything is orphanage uh, focused. Um, but my son, who was three, had an older brother who was 12. And they, they probably had never even met, but they shared the mm -hmm. same mother. Uh, and I remember the social worker telling me, uh, because he was 12, right, that if no one adopted him, which as you get older and older, obviously it gets harder and harder mm -hmm. because the cute babies right. are what everybody wants and the toddlers right. are kind of fun, right? And then, you know, mm -hmm. as you get uh, a little bit older, you know, it's just more challenging because you, you've got things that you bring with you, right? And, and that right. baggage. And, and as parents are looking at who to adopt, um, you know, they've got that choice to make. And, and I remember uh, trying not to think about what aging out meant in Russia, right? Because I, I'm sure mm -hmm. it's, it's quite horrific, uh, not to say that it's not here as well. But, um, you know, for those who don't uh, understand uh, what, what you went through, and I, I think we need to get a little thumbnail of that. I know you had something that brought you to the point where you actually had to make a call to social services, and you were barely a teenager yourself. So what gave you the courage to make that call? And what was the catalyst uh, for that? So when you've been abused and neglected, as often as I was during that time, you, you, you kind of reached the end of that rope and I was just exhausted with life and I was tired of seeing what I did and feeling the wrath of someone else's anger um, and I saw it day in and day out and I knew that there was nothing wrong with crying out for help and so anything had to be better than the situation I was in. I relied heavily on the relationships that I had built in that trailer park and was hopeful that one day when I really needed them, they would be there and they were. Um, it's never an easy decision. I mean, you're barely a teenager. And so teenagers should be, you know, living life as a teenager would. Right. What does that look like? You know, not having to worry about where am I going to be laying my head next or um, where am I going to get abused next? Um, and, you know, it's just, it's very hard times. And so, um, I just wanted, and I knew that I, there was a better life out there for myself. Um, so I just did it, you know? And I mean, at the end of the day, the worst thing that could happen was they didn't show up, right? And then I would be back into that same environment. But, um, you know, it just takes a little bit of courage and, you know, a little faith to step off that ledge. And sometimes it's hard to do that, but- uh, But they did show instance, up, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did show yeah. up. Oh, the next day, I told them where we were going to be, my brother and sister and I, and but you know, I begged and pleaded for our safety, and sure enough, they showed up. So it was really definitely a big light at the end of the tunnel for me. Well, that that certainly had to be one of the most pivotal moments of your life. What what are some of the other pivotal moments that you've had? Man, that is a tough question. Um, because there were many pivotal moments in my life. But uh, I would have to say, like, my top three um, would be the moment that I stepped foot across the stage in Andrews, North Carolina, the feeling of shaking everyone's hand as I walked my way towards my high school diploma was the mm. best feeling I could have ever have imagined. Um, and then the moment that I lost my sister and brother to foster care, but ended up finding them years later. 
um, in their own unique ways. And so I don't want to spoil the book, but um, <laughs> the stories are in there. And then lastly, I would have to say, you know, gaining two college degrees from Western Carolina University. Because, you know, as a child who grew up in the foster care system, you know, those are big dreams, right? Because you don't think you would ever make it there. And so right. I did, and it was very rewarding and um, very proud of that. So Liz, one of the things that I love to do as I'm interviewing authors is is to take a look at at their chapter titles in their book. And one, mm -hmm. uh, well, a couple of them pop off uh, of the page. So I'm just going to ask you to tell us a little bit of the story behind your chapter, which was called Blackberries. Sure. I love this chapter. Um, you know, it's so crazy because nowadays when I look at a blackberry, I don't look at it the same. Um, there's a lot of fond memories. Um, but blackberries um, is very symbolic to me. Um, when I was younger, my brother, sister, and I, we would pick blackberries um, on the side of the road. The old It's an old curvy mountain road, if you will. And um, we would try to see who could fill our milk jugs the quickest because uh, what we would do with milk jugs is sell those for uh, money to get school supplies uh, for school because we didn't have any other income. We didn't have any other way of getting school supplies. And I loved school. So anything that I could have done to, uh -huh. to help me be successful in school, um, I did it. And so the race was on. Um, and so that was one aspect. But then, you know, my brother and sister and I always bonded. I felt like this was a time for us to connect um, and no one would really bother us or we didn't have to worry about being abused. Um, you know, we were just really close knit and we kind of got to live like our lives like a child would in those few moments, you know, like running through the bushes, getting, you know, bit by insects or getting scraped by the, the thorns. It was just awesome. Um, and then, also to that effect is when the Department of Social Services came and picked us up. So that's where we were um, mm -hmm. the day that they arrived um, because I felt like while we were out there and away from um, Martha and the trailer park, we would be more easily accessible to be able to get in the car and say, yes, let's go with us without having any fights or, you know, anything like that. So uh, blackberries is... Um, means a lot to me and very symbolic to my childhood and uh, um, it's just a, a heartwarming story for me in so many ways. Wow wow that is so one of the other ones that I really love is name tags tell me why name tags are so important to you. So we all strive to uh, find our identity and growing up in foster care mine was more replaced with labels um, such as foster care or orphan or anything to that nature, um, court documents or case file. And I never saw my name written on anything that symbolized me. Um, so when I started working, I think my first job was Hardy uh, um, or maybe it was Popeyes back in the day. Um, and the first time that I saw my name printed on white label paper and it was placed so strategically on a tag, something in me changed and mm. it made me feel like I was a person with a purpose and it made me feel empowered and it still does to this day, you know? So I just felt like name tags give me a sense of purpose in this world. And um, I look at it differently and I'm sure 
when people read my chapter, um, they will too. So, wow. Um, it's kind of helped me find my identity. Well, I will tell you, I will, I will look at uh, people who wear name tags totally different now because of that story. Right. Sometimes those people can be invisible to us. Right. And, and now, now I will never look at a name tag the same way. So what message would you give to other foster kids? I always say this, um, you know, to be a foster child, you have to be resilient. You have to, you know, and, and I believe we are, um, and, you know, always be yourself and fight for your life because at the end of the day, you, you truly deserve to live the life. And you should live it and be who you want to be and strive for that. Foster care is just a bump in the road and it it will help you get to your destiny, which is nothing but greatness if you allow it. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to share with you, um, you know, my son could uh, as as a child who was adopted and again, not out of foster care, but but uh, out of the orphanage system in Russia, he could take the stance of being a victim, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. and you know, he's, he's too young to remember anything. But I will tell you that, that at age three, he was 21 pounds. And I mean, I've got friends Aww. who have babies who grow to 21 pounds, you know, like in, I don't know, a couple of months, right? And mm-hmm. so here he was, you know, undernourished. And what I, what I tell him is that Psalm 139, right, says that Mm -hmm. God knew before he was even conceived what his life was Mm -hmm. going to be like, and that none Mm -hmm. of that, while it may feel like an accident of birth, right, or, or, you know, your mother gives you up or whatever the circumstances uh, are, his, his mother happened to have died six months after he was born. And, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, he was meant to be a part of our family. I'm telling you. Right. And, and so, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. my next question to you is about, <laughs> well, my next question to you is about foster parents, but I want to, I do want to say a word to other adoptive parents because quite often people will say, Oh, you did such a wonderful thing. And, you know, uh, saving Sergey out of his situation. And, you know, as most people know, you've got a lot of different reasons that people adopt. We happen to have adopted because, well, we couldn't have our own children, but we had a Mm five-year-old daughter and I didn't want Mm -hmm. her to be an only child because I had seen many only children who were very self-absorbed and I didn't want to raise a child like that. And so we adopted so that she would have a brother uh, not to save an orphan from from Russia. And, and I, I understand why people might think that was our motivation, right? Right. But, but at the end of the day, he was meant to be a part of our family. And God knew before the world was formed that that's how this was all going to play out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that we would go halfway around the world to meet this child who all we had was a profile on him, right? So... Mm-hmm. You know, I know this next question may be harder because you did suffer at the hands of of the foster care system and at the hands of foster parents. So what message would you give to them? And by the way, we we all know that there are good foster parents out there. They're right. not all bad. Oh, absolutely. So. Right. Um, and, you know, one last thing I wanted to say about the message to foster kids is a lot of kids or the majority of kids who go through the foster care system blame themselves for the reason why they're there or their actions from their parents. And I always just want to say, you know, don't blame yourself because what 
your situation was or is, is not your fault, you know? Right. And so I think that's been instrumental for me because that's how I've been able to move forward with my life is to know that, you know what? Yeah, I was abused, but no one told them to abuse me. It wasn't my fault. So that's given me the ability to stay focused on my life and my choices. So um, definitely wanted to give that um, shout out. Right. Um, but as far as, you know, a message to foster parents in the foster care system, at the end of the day, we know that the foster care system is slightly broken. Um, but I, I certainly have faith that it, it, it can be restored. It's a long fight to get it right. And, but without the foster care system, where would I have been, you know, or where would we all be today? And you, it certainly takes a village for these youth. I, I strongly believe that. For our foster parents, I just want to say thank you for all that you do to give a foster child a second chance. I know it may be challenging, but at the end of the day, all these youth want is to feel like they are wanted and loved. Even if a child is in your home temporarily, you just make them feel and let them know what their worth is. So mm. uh, I don't have anything negative because where where would I have been today without that kind of support? And yes, right. like with anything else in life, there's always going to be ups and downs and issues, but there is more kids entering the foster care system today that it's just detrimental to society. And we've got to figure out how to fix that, you know, so and it's, right. it's on us to do that. And Liz, on the, on the front of your book, uh, I, I have a, a real passion for book covers. It's, you know, back mm -hmm. in the early days when I, when I was deciding who I wanted to interview, I would actually walk through, uh, you know, a bookstore or a library and I would look at, at book covers and book spines. Mm -hmm. And yours has a, a very unique uh, characteristic because you have got pictures of butterflies. Tell me what the right. significance of, of that is. So I had a hard time with my book cover, but at the end of the day, I just love butterflies. And to me, butterflies represent the beauty of change. Um, finding a new life, you know, being agile and adaptable in the process and releasing good into the world. And so every, just like myself and every foster child, every butterfly is unique. And until it emerges, it emerges from the cocoon, no one knows what the butterfly will look like, right? So it's the same with each one of us. We are butterflies in the making and our lives can go from ugly to beautiful. Mm -hmm. I always just say like a butterfly, accept who you are as an individual and then allow yourself the opportunity to fly and be free. Mm, I love that. Well, Liz, as you know, the name of this show is The Game Changer. And we, we typically interview people who are changing their game in the business world. So we typically have an executive audience. But uh, in this joint venture that we are doing with Now Publishing, we are broadening our audience and we're broaden, broadening our focus a little bit. And so while you haven't shared the details of your story, we know that you endured a pretty awful childhood. And mm -hmm. clearly from the tone of this discussion, you have been able to maintain an incredibly upbeat attitude. And uh, I, I know just from your publisher that you've gone on absolutely to beat the odds. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you are a game changer and what change do you want to see in the world as a result of the story you've told? Sure. I uh, feel like in addition to beating the odds, I ended up 
going to school, ended up going to college and trying to be a citizen in this in society, ended up landing a, a good job and being successful. And, and I think what's the game changer piece is I'm taking my experience and this and my story and turning it over to help foster kids. And it and maybe not just foster kids, it could be anyone who's going through one of their darkest days to try to help them find the light. Um, and just to kind of help, you know, be an advocate for those kids that don't have a voice and be able to share, yes, this is what I've been through. This is what they're currently going through. And just kind of helping bring awareness around that and to the world and just help educate people on the importance of the topic and help these kids feel like they have a place in the world just because of a label or because they've been through the foster care system. I just want to help them find their purpose and help them um, find the hope that they need so that, you know, they can be successful in life. And, you know, today we're looking at our future leaders. So why not take the time to invest in them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, you have had uh, just an unbelievable story. You know, you talked about getting a good job. Well, it wasn't just a good job. It was a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers. So going to ring your bell a little bit on that. So we have been talking today to Liz Sutherland. She is the author of a book called No Ordinary Liz, an extraordinary story of life and family. Liz, thank you so much for your time. And I know that what you've shared with our audience today, hopefully will give someone the upbeat attitude and the courage to go out and change their game today. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas, inspiration, innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.